Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op this beautiful Thursday morning. Looks like we'll get a little rain later today, but that is always good for the crops, if we don't get too much rain, that is. And, you know, this whole year we're celebrating NCBA's 100th anniversary. They started in 1916, March of 1916. So it's a wonderful year to celebrate the National Co-op Business Association and everything that they have done for U.S. and for their members. Today, we're going to talk about farming, and we have Emily Best on the line with us. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. And what is the group that you work for? I've got to get that name, that's pronunciation down. Uh, we're called the Tuscarora Organic Growers Cooperative. Tuscarora. Yes, you got it. Tuscarora, okay. Organic Growers. Yes. And how did you guys get started? Well, the group started back in 1988 when three neighboring farmers realized that they could be more efficient um, and do better sales together than if they kept doing it separately. They were each going down to Washington, D.C. to sell their produce individually, and they realized that if they worked together, then they could minimize the trips to the city and offer their customers a wider range of produce. Working together, working together, they can get more done. Exactly. You know, um, I never knew the risk that farmers have until I started this show about two and a half years ago. And we've had several farmers or groups representing farmers. Can you talk about some of that risk? You got it on the front end, you got it growing, you got it on the back end of it, selling it. Yeah, there's a lot of risk in farming. Um, we can see some of that just this season. The weather has been very unpredictable this spring. We saw some really hot temperatures very early, and then it frosted after that. And that definitely affected some of the crops that the farmers had already put out, especially for some some of the growers who do tree fruit. You know, they've invested a lot of resources in starting their season, and when the weather is out of whack, they take a hit. Another risk is that, you know, they plant the crop. They're trying to predict what their customers will want. And if the customers don't show up or they decide they want to go with another farmer's produce, then suddenly, you know, the farmer is stuck with that produce and they might have to lower their price or drive farther to try and sell it. And so it's always a risk when you're trying to decide how much to plant and what you think you can sell. And that's not even getting into issues with diseases and pests and insects and that sort of thing. You know, that's what I was thinking. You, you've got risk on the front end. You've got to buy the right seeds and whatever you do to help it to grow. And then you've got to till the soil and mm-hmm. make sure it's right based on the terrain. I grew up in Bluefield, West Virginia. There was always hills, and you had to have the, the, the rows correct. And, and then you, you feed it, and then it, it, it will grow or it won't. And then if it grows, you've got to weed it, and you've got worms, and you've got rabbits and everything yeah, that dog. will. Yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> you said groundhogs? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got everything that wants to attack your your fruit or your vegetables before you can get it to the plate. And then so you have the issues on the front end, then you got the issues on the in the growing it, and then you have to be able to sell it with some of the things that you're talking about. So these three farmers got together and created a co-op because they figured they could do things better, either lower their cause, get more customers. Why why do they why do they band together? Yeah, I think lowering costs was a big part of it. Um, instead of each of them driving to the city to sell, they could just take one trip or two trips. And also each of them was growing, you know, maybe they were each growing some tomatoes, but they each had their own expertise and preferences of what they wanted to grow. And so if you show up at a restaurant and you only have three items, you know, you're only going to get so far with those customers. But if you show up and you have 12 items or 15 then you're much more likely to do regular sales with those customers. And so that I think that was a big reason why they decided to form a cooperative and work together. Okay, you lower your costs. You can provide more variety of products. Yeah. Could you get a higher price? Um, you know, I think, I think it's possible that, that you could. I think it just sort of depends, you know, what the competition is like. I'm sure back in those days they were getting a, a great price because it was, you know, sort of before the popularity of the farm-to-table movement. But I think also that it allowed them to focus more time on the actual farming and less on the marketing, which um, helped them increase their efficiency on their farms too. Well, you, you mentioned something I want to come back to. You said farm-to-table, and you said it really quick, but I want to come back to that. But I hear you say more time farming and less time marketing or selling or yeah so okay 1988 they started how how many farmers are there now with three farmers uh now we've got about 35 active member growers but our network broadens to about 50 when we include other neighboring farmers who maybe aren't members of the co-op but who use our ability to market and um, to deliver the produce to sell their stuff to so how many people work for the co-op? It's variable during the season, but I would say um, about during peak season, about 15 to 18, maybe maybe getting up to 20 in the busiest time of the year. And what about wintertime or non-busy time? Wintertime is maybe closer to 12 or so, and most people have reduced hours. Okay, so you got 12 to 20 people, maybe 8 to 20 people full-time equivalents or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but what you all do is the marketing side. You find customers and you, I guess, you negotiate pricing with them and delivery. and. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, over the years, we've built up a wide network of really great customers, restaurants, um, retailers, other farmers will sometimes buy our produce. And um, now there's new, you know, box delivery services that will buy our stuff as well. And, you know, we spend time, you know, looking at food blogs and trying to find who's the trendy new restaurant opening to try and sell to them. And, yeah, pricing is based somewhat on, you know, the competitive marketplace, but also with the input of the growers. Um, sometimes our growers tell us that the going price is too low, and so we respect their wishes, and we keep the price where they need it to be. Okay, so let's go back to this farm-to-table. What is that? I think it encompasses a lot of things, but I think that in general the idea that 
people know where their food is coming from and that there are the least amount of steps from the farm to their dinner table as possible. So not too many middlemen. They have a relationship with their farmers and they are getting produce that's very, very fresh and flavorful. Yeah, I was waiting to get to that time frame from the farm to the table. The least number of middlemen means that there should be less time, so from picking it to eating it. Yeah. And so, therefore, you get nutritious foods or more nutrition in the foods. Yeah. Okay. 1988, 2016, so you guys have been around for 28 years. Mm-hmm. A long time. Do you know what the th- the three farmers came together, reduced risk, increased marketability, share their products together, pool stuff together? Do you have any idea what they sold that first year? In um, I found out that they sold about 1,500 cases of produce, and that was over a five-month season. And what do you think they did last year or will do this year either? Yes. Last year, um, we sold just about 126,000 cases of produce over 12 months. So now we do business uh, through the whole year. 1,500 to 126,000. Yep. Big change. That's a little over 1,000 times. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Going from three farmers to 45-ish or so farmers. Exactly. And the number of cases of food, and from five months to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Do they grow in the wintertime? Um, some of our farmers do grow in the winter. Uh, they have what's called a high tunnel. So it's a plastic sort of structure, like kind of a tent. Some of our farmers uh, use heat to warm that space, and others just use passive solar heating. And most of what you can grow in there during the winter is greens, like spinach, um, maybe some lettuce or kale um, or mustard greens, that sort of thing. And it grows very slowly, much, much more slowly than during the, the main growing season. But it's in demand, and um, we do great business with those greens during the winter. And we also sell in the winter storage crops like carrots and potatoes and beets and cabbage. Not the most exciting items, but... Um, that is what is available in our region in the winter, and I think that many customers are um, happy to be able to buy those things from us during that time. Wonderful, wonderful. 1988, it got started with three farmers, and it grew to, on, on average, say 45 farmers, organic growers, Tuscarora, uh, 28 years from 1,500 cases to 126,000 cases, five months to 12 months of selling. Sounds wonderful growth. We got to take our first break, and then we'll come back. But where is Tuscarora? You say Washington D.C. is your marketplace. Yes, I know it's in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are in South Central Pennsylvania. We're not very close to any major city. We're about an hour and a half west of Harrisburg, and about an hour and a half south of State College. And it's about two and a half hours to get to Washington D.C. Two and a half hours to get to your customers. So does that mean they pick the fruit and the vegetables in the morning and you have them on the table in the afternoon? Uh, 
not quite that fast, okay. but almost, almost. Well, we're going to take a break and come back and talk about how fast you do get Frodo <laughs> through the table and the benefits of working together cooperatively. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Fourteen fifty WOL. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks with Everything Cooperative. We are talking to Emily Best from Tuscarora Organic Growers in Tuscarora, Pennsylvania. You know, the National Co-op Bank's mission is to help cooperatives grow by supporting and being an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members placing special emphasis on serving the needs of communities that are economically challenged, which is different from most banks. Most banks won't go into neighborhoods that are economically challenged, which causes NCB to have a challenge, but they've done extremely well, and they got started in about 1985. So they were perhaps right a a little bit uh, before you guys got started uh, in Tuscarora. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you say, how long does it take to get from the farm from the fields to the table in D.C. from Tuscarora, a two-and-a-half-hour drive? Yeah, so we deliver twice a week to D.C. and Baltimore and the surrounding area. And um, so today's Thursday. We're working on completing our sales day, and pretty soon um, our growers will start bringing in their deliveries, and we'll check them in, check quality and all of that. And then throughout the afternoon and evening, we'll be working to get the orders ready And then our drivers come in at about midnight, and they hop in the truck and start delivering around 3, 4 in the morning and deliver until about 10 in the morning and then start heading back. So it's a pretty quick turnaround, but it's not quite in the same day. So when when does your grower start picking to deliver to you today? They might have started picking yesterday, depending on what the items were. And I know that some finish up their harvest um, on, on the morning of delivery. So if they started yesterday, Wednesday, they delivered to you on Thursday, you're, you all check the quality, package it however you have to package it, and then get in a truck tonight around midnight, it's delivered on Friday. Mm-hmm. Yep. At best, a two-day turnaround time, and then somebody will eat on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Yep, exactly. From, or either go to a restaurant and eat or go to a grocery store? Do you, you sell to cooperative food stores? Yes, we sell to a few cooperatives in the D.C. area as well as um, some smaller uh, specialty retailers like the Mom's Organic Market. Many of their stores buy from us um, and a few of other retailers in the, in the region. So where's Mom's or the other retailers at? Mom's has multiple locations. Um, they've got one in D.C. on New York Avenue. They're all over the place, um, outside of D.C., Virginia, and um, the, they just opened one in Baltimore, but they have some in Maryland as well. Um, we we work with the Yes Organic Market, and we also do some business with Whole Foods. Okay. And the sixth principle is cooperation among cooperatives. Mm-hmm. For anybody that haven't listened before, there are seven principles that the modern cooperative sort of lives by. And the sixth one is cooperation among cooperatives. Do you have any any food co-ops in the area? If somebody wanted to go buy your product, where would we got Moms and Yes and Whole Foods? Where else could they go? Uh, we do business with the Bethesda Co-op, the Glut Co-op, the Tacoma Park Co-op, 
D.C. area, and then we also um, do some business with a cooperative in um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So the one I know about is the one in Tacoma Park. I don't know the one in Bethesda. I unfortunately don't know those co-ops either, <laughs> sorry to say. Um, okay. Yeah, I know them by their email addresses and phone numbers at this point. All right, so the, the growers, 45-ish or so, will pick on Wednesday, deliver to you on Thursday, mm-hmm. pick on Wednesday and our Thursday, deliver you today. You package them. So you have a warehouse and refrigeration? Yes, we have um, Yeah, we have a lot of cooler space, um, and we have multiple cooler spaces to keep all of the produce at its ideal temperature. And so we don't repack any produce. It comes in the boxes that it's then delivered into. We just will open the box, make sure it looks good, and then we just build pallets of the cases in the order of their deliveries um, so that when the drivers get to D.C., it's easy for them to take it off the truck and deliver it to each customer. Fantastic. So the co-op, what I found out here, mostly co-ops are formed when there's a community need. The community need there was trying to reduce price, mm-hmm. uh, re- reduce their costs, and get more customer outlets for their for their produce mm-hmm. that also means that they reduce their risk and perhaps perhaps increase their pricing mm-hmm. but they have what you've said now they've got people that are focused on the sale marketing side of their their equation mm-hmm. where you have from what you've told me anywhere from eight full-time people to 20 depending on the season that will cultivate customers for them and help this delivery process. So you've got the transportation down where the cost is a lot less than if 45 people were bringing their own individual trucks to D.C. You you have a trucking system. How many truckers do you have? How many truck drivers will leave there tonight? Uh, tonight we're probably going to send out, I'm just going to guess, mm-hmm. about three trucks. Okay. Yeah, three, maybe a fourth, depending on... Um, how many customers we end up getting for this delivery run. I know that during the summer we'll send out four and sometimes even five. This week we have one truck that's just going out to eastern Pennsylvania for a couple of larger deliveries, and then we'll have two to three going to the D.C. Baltimore area. Okay. So this sounds fascinating to me that the co-op, ends up being, and I'm, I'm so glad you're on, Emily, so we can explain this, this sort of this side of this co-op. We found that this works with both farmers and artists, oh. um, that artists now will come together. Somebody does pottery, somebody does painting, somebody does sculpture, somebody does, I don't know, quilts, all kinds of different art, and they'll get their warehouse space Mm-hmm. So they can come together that each individual one could not afford the warehouse space. And then when they have a showing, you can have a showing with a lot more, you know, examples, like you have all of this different produce coming down, and they can decide what they're going to do and what they're going to show so they can maximize what people will see and the variety that they see that they can potentially maximize what money they get and what the money they can make. And also then they can promote it with less cost than each individual artist trying to promote themselves. So it was surprising to me that artists, they, you know, they had the same kinds of needs of farmers. Yeah. And there may be other groups of people that would have this need and then come together and work together. 
I want to get over to the governance of this co-op, uh, your management. How, how do you, how does the governance work? Well, each member has um, a $100 membership fee. That's a one-time um, fee to enter. Part of being a member also means that they participate in our production planning um, process. And so we call that our commitment chart. And it has to do with how we manage what is being grown and how it matches with the demand. And so that is actually a key part of being a member of our co-op is participating in that production planning process. And then um, once a year, we have a an annual membership meeting, which all uh, members are encouraged strongly to attend. And at that point, we do uh, vote for the board. Okay. And how often does the board meet? It varies, but they meet most often in the fall winter and early spring and once the summer and the growing season really gets going they meet a lot less frequently and if they do have to uh, discuss anything during that time period it's usually via a phone conference okay what about training how how does your board get training to know how to function as a board and solve conflict That's actually something that we're working on currently is to try and get a little bit more training, especially in the cooperative accounting realm, because it is a little, you know, a little bit different from other types of accounting. And I know that, you know, our board members are all farmers. They're not accountants. They're not financial experts. And so I'm working on finding a way to get them a little bit more information about that. And in terms of other types of training, I think that our board president Um, Jim Crawford, who is one of the founding members, he works with the newer board members to try to, you know, show them how the board should run and what's appropriate to try to manage and what, you know, my job to manage. Um, But it's definitely a learning experience for many people as they join the board. Yeah, I've found that I do housing, manage, I manage housing co-ops in apartment buildings and condos, but I love, I love co-ops. And this training part is particularly ongoing as you get new board members. But we're ready to take our second break, and we're going to come back and talk some more about governance and training and the cooperative principles and how they work within your farmer's marketing co-op. But we'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. We're going to get the weather and the news and traffic, and then we'll be right back. Fourteen fifty W O L. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, Everything Cooperative. We're talking with Emily Best, who's the general manager of Tuscarora Organic Food Growers. Okay, Emily, we were talking about well education, but let me just quickly. Give if there's somebody new out there that does not know what a cooperative is, it's, it's any business. Any business you think of can be a cooperative. Um, there's basically four main forms of cooperatives. The first one, if it's owned and controlled by the workers or employees, it's called a worker cooperative. If it's owned and controlled by the people that use the products or services, it's called a consumer cooperative. So those are two big ones. And Consumer cooperatives are credit unions, uh, housing co-ops, uh, where the people that use the products and services 
own the business and control it. Any business could be a worker cooperative uh, if, if the employees own and control that business. And then you have what we're talking about now is a marketing co-op where people come together, farmers, artists we've talked about, and they figure out that they, working together, they can have more markets to place their products. They'll have a group of experts like Emily and the people that work there to work on this all year long, which frees them up to work on the farming side of it or the growing side of it. And then there's the other side of this is in the producer side, producer co-ops, where they will buy the products that they need to farm, whether that's seed or gasoline or equipment, uh, whatever they might need, they can purchase together and figure out how they will use those things. And by buying in bulk, they normally get a better product for a lower price. So it's working together and learning how to work together. And that's where we were talking about education before we took the break. So you said you're going to try to do more education. And this was perhaps the second reason I fell in love with co-ops is because the fifth principle, education, training, and information, and that you get everyday people to learn how to run a business, whether it's the accounting side of it or management side of it or whatever side of it, they have to learn how to manage a business. And I would think farmers already know how to manage at least their farm, but they may not know accounting and some other managerial kinds of things. So they have to learn these things. Uh, So I heard you say you want to do more training. What do you have planned? Um, I am starting to work with the Keystone Development Center here in Pennsylvania. They do a lot of work supporting cooperatives. And so we're working together to find a short training course or some sort of PowerPoint or something like that to better educate our board members on cooperative accounting principles. And any of our members could attend that if they're interested, but the board members definitely um, need that sort of information. And we also do education and training for our growers. Twice a year in the late winter, early spring, we have crop improvement meetings where we discuss issues that they're facing on their farms, whether it's pest control, disease control, nutrition, different types of methods, weed control. And we share you know, best practices and help some of the newer growers maybe learn something they didn't know before. Um, and just help everybody to improve uh, what's happening on their farm. Now, do you find that the farmers, 35, 45, 50 of them, do you find that they will share information or do they sort of like hoard it so that they know that if if they tell somebody else how to grow something better, then that's sort of competitive? What no, I haven't found that at all. I've found that they are very eager to share because they know that the success of the co-op is on everybody, um, that if you share best practice and it helps your neighbor do something better, then there's more of that product to sell. Um, We can get more customers because we're not um, shorting them any product that they want to order. Um, So I've found that our growers are very open with each other. Um, And I think part of that is because, you know, they understand we're all in a cooperative and we're all in it together. And I think also that many of them are neighbors and um, they're all operating at fairly small scales. So there's a lot of demand that's going unmet just because our farmers are small farmers and they're not farming huge farms and flooding the market with tons of produce all at once. You know, I felt like I knew the answer, so it was a setup <laughs> question <laughs> because that's what I found throughout. No matter what industry we're talking about is when people are in a co-op, sharing information is 
it's like, yes, let me show you how to do this. Let me, exactly. yeah, you can do this a little bit better if you do blah, blah, blah. And because you're making decisions on what's best for the group as opposed to what's best for the individual. Okay. I love this co-op thing. So volunteer and open membership is the first principle of cooperatives. Cooperation, cooperatives are volunteer organizations. It doesn't make any difference what the gender, social, racial, political, or religious affiliation one has it's what's best for the group mm-hmm. and so it this cooperative thing transcends all of that stuff and then as you've already mentioned it's the second principle is democratic uh member control mm-hmm. and that's one member one vote mm-hmm. is that you put in a hundred dollars you're one member yep no matter how big your farm is or how small your farm is or yep exactly. how much money you have or don't have exactly so that you have total control by their members Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do just want to mention that our co-op is, um, I think it's a very diverse co-op. About half of our membership are Amish farmers. And so, I mean, I think that right there is it's a very cross-cultural experience for me um, working with the Amish farmers and just learning from them and seeing how they farm and how they adapt you know, without having electricity and that sort of thing. And then of our farmers who aren't Amish, um, we have older farmers who've been in business for 40 plus years and we have young farmers who are in their first five or ten years we have farms that are run by women which i think is really awesome we have you know different sexualities in our group it's really i think it's really great because it does show that everybody can come together even if there are like you know differences within communities where people otherwise would not be communicating or have any reason to do business together, but because of the co-op, they do come together and work together and are successful together. Do you have any African-Americans or Latinos? Um, We have one family who is Latino. We unfortunately have no African-American farmers in our group. Part of that is based on our location. It's not a very diverse area, fortunately. But, I mean, we are, of course, open to anybody who wants to join the co-op. Okay, Amish and anybody sexual orientation, that seems interesting that they work together. Exactly, yeah. Neat, old and young. Yep. I had the uh, president of ICA, the International Cooperative Alliance, um, Dame Pauline Green, on one time, and she said it it didn't make any difference on which side of the curtain, iron curtain they were on. When it came to co-op meetings, it was what was best for the group. Exactly. (laughs) Political persuasion or what didn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. And the third one is member economic participation. So you've already mentioned that if to join, you have to pay $100. So it's mm-hmm. very, very small membership entry fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the other side of it? Uh, do If the co-op makes money, do they have uh, dividends or give money back to the farmers? Yes, um, we do. The way that things work when we sell the produce, So the co-op doesn't purchase the produce outright from the growers. We sell it for them. And then we, the co-op itself, does take a certain percentage off the selling price to do the, you know, the logistics and pay for the marketing and, you know, to pay for the employees. And if there's any profit after that, then it does go back to the farmers. Okay, so I've got a bushel of carrots to sell you. Okay. And I'm in the group. So we decide or what we're going to sell that for. 
mm-hmm. and you bring it to D.C. or Baltimore or Philly or and you sell it for that amount. And let's say it's 100 bucks. Okay. And then you get a percent. Yeah. And can you say what that is? You feel like it's okay? To, yeah, to I think it's fine to say. Um, so out of that $100, the farmer would get 75 and we would get 25 And, of course, that 25 is going to pay for the gas to get the truck going and pay for the truck driver and pay for the dock workers, you know, to check in the produce and pay for someone to call the customers and sell it. So I know that it, you know, when you go to a farmer's market, the farmer gets 100% of that price, but the farmer is also the one who's doing the marketing and the trucking and all of the work to get it to market. So I think that it's a pretty fair trade-off, although, you know, it, it is always a discussion how much does the so-called middleman make, but I always like to remind people that in the co-op, any profits after the cost of doing business go back to the to the farmer. Okay. I got a bushel or basket of carrots. I, we have decided it's going to cost $100 for that bushel. I delivered down to your place. You on tonight will package it and you will send it out and you collect a hundred dollars. Do you get that? Yes. Do you make it? Is it COD or is it on credit? Um, yeah, it depends on the um, customer. Um, some customers, especially when they're first starting out, are COD. Many more, um, you know, have a week or two to pay. So you do the collection too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so you get the hundred dollars in either right there on the spot or they paid in advance or within a week or two, you get your money. Mm-hmm. So you got your hundred dollars in, you take out 25 and you send the farmer 75. Yep. Yeah. The farmers receive checks from us every week and it, you know, tallies up everything that we sold of their product over a certain period of time. And then they'll receive that check once a week. So for my bushel of carrots or basket or however I send it to you, I get my, I get $75 for it. You keep 25 you get paid. The other eight to twenty people get paid, mm-hmm. and I assume that's it. The dock workers. You either have bought trucks or you have leased trucks. You got to pay for that and gas and everything to get it down here. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to have some kind of system to then build out the customer that receive it, the restaurant or mm-hmm. or the grocery store. You get the money back. I assume if somebody doesn't pay you, you have to pay the lawyers to to go after them or whatever. <laughs> Hopefully you don't have much of that. Okay. Um, we haven't ever gotten to that point. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Because that's in my property management business. I have a lot of that. Tenants sometimes don't pay. Okay. So this is what happens at $25. And let's say all of that for this year, mm-hmm. it came to on average uh, $20. So you have $5 per bushel left over. And now you give that back to the farmers. So how is that divvied out? Um, per share or the the profits at the end yes yeah yeah it has to do with shares because some of the farmers have have contributed more over the years than others and it's actually an issue that i'm still learning um to be frank about it the profit sharing i only saw it happening this year within my first month or so of being hired and Mm -hmm. so i was still a little bit confused over how exactly they were allocating the funds. And so it's something I'm definitely learning more about. But I know that it does have to do with, um, frequently it seems as though the farmers who've been in the co-op longer have invested more. And so we're 
fully working to pay off. We'll come back and talk about that and the other principles. We're taking our last break. We only have 15 more minutes to go. It goes by quick. We'll be right back. Please don't touch the dial. 1450 WOL. Is power. Information is power. This is why NC, the WOL, is such a great um, partner for us to have this show because the National Co-op Bank is wanting you to get the information about cooperatives so that perhaps you or two of your friends or just somewhere between three and five people come together. They pool their money. They pool their talents and other resources, and they work together for the betterment of the group. Uh, and by working together, often the co-ops last a lot longer. They don't fail because there's this training, which is the fifth principle. <clears throat> so we've talked about volunteer and open membership, democratic member control, and member economic participation is what we were talking about with uh, Emily before we took the break. Emily, I only have one suggestion for what I've, what I've heard from most people is the more a person uses the co-op, particularly the food co-op, if it's a consumer co-op, the more the consumer uses that co-op, the bigger percentage of the dividend that gets back, they get back or the surplus. Mm -hmm. And it would seem like it would be some combination about how much somebody has inputted in over the years mm -hmm. and how much they've used a co-op this past year. That would be fun figuring out. That, that would be, I'm sure <laughs> it could be some lively discussions around that. Yes. Okay. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I guess the other way of doing it is if if it really turned out that it takes 20% of it to $20 in our example to run the co-op, then maybe you could, over time, ease up how much you give back uh, mm -hmm. to maybe where they would get back 80%. I would get $80 on my yeah. bushel of carrots and yeah. it would be less surplus to Yeah, and that, that number has been adjusted over the years depending on how sales are going and how many growers are involved. There's often been little tweaks to the formula and how, how much we give back immediately to the growers and how much we give back at the end of the year. So it's, it's not anything that's set in stone. It just uh, depends, you know, how it's working for everybody and what people would like to see changed. Um, always a work in progress. Always a work in progress. Okay. So the, Autonomy and independence is the fourth principle. Cooperatives are autonomous as they have to have ownership and control. And I assume your group working through the board of directors have autonomy. Nobody else tells them. The government doesn't tell them what to do. There's no bank to tell them what to do. Yep. Okay. Yep. We've already talked to fifth and sixth one. The fifth one is education, training, and information. You're going to look at improving that. I know the food co-ops have a financial section that a board member has to pass a test to make sure that they know the financial piece of a food court before they can become a board member. Okay. Uh, and that is needed. And the reason is that you, the board members have to make informed decisions and financial decisions is a big part of, of running a board. Then the sixth one is cooperation among cooperatives. We talked about that one. And the seventh one is concern for community. So mm -hmm. how, how does your co-op work with that principle? Um, I mean, I think that that principle is embedded in our mission. All of our farmers are certified organic, and so they follow the practices outlined by the USDA's organic program. 
So that means that there's only certain types of um, chemicals that they can use and only certain ways that they can use them. And so because of that, you know, we are taking care of the natural environment um, around us. And we live in an extremely beautiful part of the country with um, mountains and rolling hills and valleys. And it's very green this time of year. And so all of our farmers are trying to do the best they can by the land that they have. And then um, we also believe that having a strong farming community in the rural um, parts of our country helps the communities in those areas. You know, we can see just by the number of jobs that the co-op is able to support in an area where there's not a lot of good employment options, we are able to offer some good employment. And as are our farmers, they also hire people to help them harvest and take care of their products. And so, I mean, I think that those are two really big parts of it. Um, in addition to feeding, you know, the urban areas where we sell um, really, really great uh, fresh fruits and vegetables. You know, it's interesting when you talk about that beauty. I'm from Bluefield, West Virginia, and I was there this this week. I just, matter of fact, I just got back last night for this program. But I also went to uh, Penn State at, at State College. Oh, great. And uh, I would love to get up there someday. Uh, in Bluefield, they have a farmer's market on Fridays now. They've just started maybe four weeks. And I met a gentleman in McDowell County, which is one of the poorest counties in the U.S., but they're starting farming, and they are a co-op. So uh, it was interesting talking to them down there. And the beauty, I would love to get up there, and I might get up there and visit with you one day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Somewhere I saw that your strawberries are not doing well this year. Yeah, we had a very short season for strawberries this year. I don't know what happened. I think just a combination of various weather factors meant that the season was um, about a week, maybe 10 days shorter than it should have been. It's very disappointing for the growers and our customers because everyone really looks forward to that season. I saw it on your homepage. That's what it was. Yeah. Tuscarora Organic Growers. And that is uh, TOG.coop. Correct. If you just go on www.t, you don't have to spell Tuscarora, O for organic and G for growers, dot co-op. Mm-hmm. And you can find out information. And if you are a restaurant or you want to buy their products, this is a way that you can go on their webpage and find out all about them. And if they, is there any other way, a phone or email address you want to give people? Yeah, folks can email me. Uh, my email is G as in girl, M as in Mary, GM at TOG.coop. And our phone number here in the office is 814-448-2173. And we're always happy to talk to new potential customers and get them set up in our system and ready to order. So girl manager, Mary rather, is also general manager. GM at TOG.coop. Yes. Okay. What have you learned being the general manager of TOG? Wow. I've learned that there's just a lot of communication to do. That's what I've learned the most. There's so many people involved in the co-op. There's all of the growers, and then there's the employees who, you know, do the day-to-day work. And then there's all of our customers, and I feel like that is just so many people to be in almost constant communication with almost every day, from talking to the growers about what they have to offer and then talking with the customers about if they're interested in those products and working with the employees to figure out the best ways, you know, to get that product 
to those customers and sometimes I feel like all I do all day is communicate, whether mm-hmm. it's by email or by phone. But it's it's so important for the functioning of the co-op to have open and clear communication um, for all parties so that everybody knows what's going on and can keep everything moving smoothly. Well, you know you're sounding like that you're talking about uh, part of the values. Cooperative yeah. members believe in ethical values of honesty, openness, that's that communication, mm-hmm. social responsibility, and caring for others. They're based on the values of self-help, self-responsibility, democracy, equality, equity, and solidarity. But that openness and transparency, that's making sure that everybody knows what's going on is vital for any business, but particularly for a cooperative. Yeah, uh, definitely. Do you like what you do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I really love um, – I was working at farmer's markets and on one of our member farms prior to coming to the co-op, and I think that there's just something really wonderful about being able to grow really beautiful vegetables and then sell them to people who are excited and happy to be able to buy them from a local farmer in their region. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really great position to have and – be able to help the farmers sell more and continue their livelihoods makes me feel really great. I have never had anybody on a program that doesn't like what they're doing. <laughs> that, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And, and it's, it's awesome because you get to help people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you, and in your world, particularly all of your customers, you so you help the growers, you help people to have jobs, and then you get to help people have good, nutritious foods on their table. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it is awesome. We have a couple minutes to go. I do want to talk to people about real quickly that the, at NCBA, they have a partnership with America's Electric Cooperatives to get cooperators to vote. It's many cooperators out there to vote. Cooperatives are democratically controlled uh, organizations, but we really want people to choose you know, it's that now it's Hillary or the Donald, and it's like whoever you are for, get out and vote. Mm-hmm. And so you can go to www.vote.coop and get information about this. But it was sort of helping everybody to, to push cooperators to get out and vote. One day I'm expecting that both Republican and Democratic Party will be looking for and catering to the, to the cooperative vote that and then we can also get them to help us to create co-ops and create laws for co-ops. One minute. Do you have a last word? Uh, the last word would be go out and look for for our produce in Washington, D.C. and Maryland and Baltimore and Virginia. We're out there at a lot of really amazing restaurants in the district and at local grocery stores. And... You'll be surprised to find what we have to offer and how great our produce is. Emily, thank you. Emily Best with the best produce. Thanks a lot, dear. Thank you very much. And we'll see everybody else next Thursday, and please work cooperatively. Thanks. 1450 WOL.